You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Reckless can have some negative connotations. You know, that's one of the bad things about words a lot of times is uh, we use it one way too often and we forget that it may have other applications or uses. And I think normally when we say the word reckless, people think about it in a negative way. They think about, you know, somebody that was reckless in a negative way. Well, listen, let let me start off right here by saying this. You cannot live your life reckless, okay? That doesn't mean go be reckless in your life. But there are times in our lives when nothing else will do. Nothing less than being reckless will do. And, you know, I've I've always kind of believed this also. I believe that all of us are in one of three places. Everybody right here, you, you're in one of three places. You either have a problem, and I'm not talking about those little things. We've all got little problems every single day in our life, you know. We've all got little things. But I'm talking about stuff that Band-Aids and aspirin won't fix, okay? You either have a problem, or you just got out of a problem, or you're about to have a problem. We're all in that place, okay? So we're all, we all have problems, and I mean real serious problems, dire circumstances and situations in our lives, okay? You cannot live your life reckless, but when you come to those times of dire circumstances, it may be times for some reckless living and some reckless, uh, some reckless things as we're going to talk about in this sermon series, okay? So let me give you a little definition because, uh, and, and again, I think we, we always go to the negative aspect of it, but here's the definition. Reckless, unconcerned for the consequences of some action. Now, see, that sounds like, you know, if you think in, in a negative way, and somebody just doing what they want to because they want to do it and unconcerned or being without caution okay now look here's the here's a couple of negative ways that we are reckless like you know when you were two or three years old and you just did what you wanted to because you wanted to do it right and anybody got two or three year olds in your house right now or you just it wasn't too many years ago you remember you know and and they're you know just doing what they want to because they have to some of us never grow out of that right 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 some of us never grow out of that well you know doing what you want to regardless of the consequences well that's that's just stupidity you know you know and, and I'm not saying also it's not that we don't pay attention to the consequences that we don't think about it now when we do what we want to do because we just hadn't even thought about the consequences now that's not stupidity that's ignorance okay and it's still that's a negative way that we are reckless you know that sometimes when we're young like back in our teenage years I don't know about you but, you know, sometimes I just do what I wanted to do, and I really hadn't weighed the consequences, didn't count the cost. I just did it because that's what I wanted to do. Well, that's, that's ignorance, and there's a lot of us that we do things ignorantly that are reckless. So those are some negative ways of doing things, uh, doing things recklessly, that, uh, and I think that's the way we normally use the term. But there's also a positive way of doing things recklessly, like the way Jesus, his love for you, was a reckless love okay so here's a little bit better uh, 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 I guess understanding of the of the positive way to look at recklessness fully understanding the consequences yet determined to proceed in spite of those consequences 
That's seeing something that needs to be done and doing it regardless of the cost because it needs to be done. Not, not in ignorance, not in stupidity, but saying this is what needs to be done. Actually, I would say immaturity. In, in maturity, not immaturity. In maturity, doing what just simply needs to be done. Now, you may still not agree with me completely here, so hopefully by the time this message is over, you will uh, kind of get where I'm going with this. There are several stories, and that's the plan through these next few weeks, is to share some stories with you from the Bible that show recklessness and show how things were accomplished because of recklessness. And the one I want to use today, I think, is a great example of recklessness in, in that positive light, not a negative, rec a positive reckless, the reason why we need to be reckless. Okay, and it's in Mark chapter 2. All right, so let's begin right there. Verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Okay, first off, right here. When Jesus came back to Capernaum, everybody heard that Jesus was back in Capernaum. And so a lot of people were excited about that. They knew that Jesus, uh, a lot of them already believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Great things were going to happen. Miracles had happened before when he was there. His, his, his teaching, his preaching was amazing. It just changed people's hearts and changed people's lives. So everybody began to hear throughout the towns, the villages, all of Capernaum, they began to hear that Jesus was back. But let me tell you this, hearing is not enough by itself. Okay, hearing is not enough. I told you that a couple of weeks ago in that sermon. You know that Christianity is not a spectator sport. Remember that? Christianity is not a spectator sport. That we don't just show up on Sunday and watch God. Show up on Sunday to just hear God. You know, that, that, that's, that's really just the beginning. Hearing in itself is not enough. Now look at, look at the first part of verse 2 right there where uh, it says, Soon the house where he was staying, where Jesus was staying, was so packed with visitors that there was no more room in the house there wasn't even room outside the door. You couldn't even get to the door. You couldn't even get close to the door that it was so packed. Okay, so a couple of things here. Everybody in Capernaum heard that Jesus was back. But not everybody in Capernaum got a miracle. Not everybody in Capernaum had their need met. Not everyone in, in the whole region of Capernaum got what they needed from God. And in the same way, here in the house. I mean, we say, oh yeah, but what about those people that gathered in the house? Everybody that gathered in the house and outside the house didn't get a miracle or a healing. As far as we know, if you, when you read the story, there is only one miracle that happens that is actually related. Maybe somebody else got a miracle. Maybe someone else got healed. Maybe someone got a financial need met. Maybe those things happened, but it wasn't told us there. So as far as we know, all of Capernaum heard about Jesus coming back. As far as we know, everybody in the house, well, yeah, they, they knew, they heard. Jesus was speaking to them and teaching them. But as far as we know, only one of all those people had a miracle. Maybe others did, but this is the only noteworthy one that, that Mark would remember and tell us about. There was only this one. So hearing is not enough. Just hearing is not enough. You know, I'm really glad that you're here today because you're hearing. You're hearing today. And that, that's, that's good and that's important, but it's not enough. But it is the first step. It's the first step to getting to, uh, uh, you know, your need met, that miracle that you need, whatever it is in your life. It's the first step. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says it. 
So, so faith comes from hearing, the, that is hearing the good news about Christ. Faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news of Christ. Faith comes from hearing the good news of Christ. So it's a great first step because this is where faith happens, in the hearing. So I'm glad you're here this morning, and I, and I hope you're here every Sunday morning because faith is happening. Faith is, is growing. Faith is increasing. Faith is being, you know, is engendered in these moments where we're hearing. I hope you're a part of small groups that you were last semester, and you're looking forward to two weeks, I think just two weeks from now, we're kicking them off again. And you're going to be a part of that because in small groups, as you hear and you share, just like on Sunday morning, this is important. We're hearing, and this is growing our faith and getting us to place where we need to be. But it's not enough by itself because, you know, now God's saying some things here in Romans chapter 10, okay? And verse 21, just four verses down from 17, it's not a separate thing. It's like God is in this long, this long conversation with us explaining some things. But verse 21, after he says that, look, faith comes by hearing. You have faith when you hear. But verse 21 says, all day long, God says, I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. So, so faith, or, or I'm sorry, hearing alone all by itself is not enough. There has to be an attitude of receptiveness. You can't just hear, you've got to receive what's being said. And there's got to be this, also there's got to be this heart of obedience that once you hear, then you've got to do something with it. You know, you've you got to be obedient to that. So, so there are two things. This is really important to be here on Sunday mornings. But it's just the beginning. You know, and without this, you really can't go another step. So you need this, but what are you going to do with it once you hear it? There are at least two, two really important things, okay? So what I've been telling you up to this point is like the, the setup, the introduction, the foundation for this morning's sermon, but also the whole sermon series. What I want to tell you this sermon is I want to tell you about the two important things that you need to do once you have heard, Okay? So you're hearing this morning, awesome, great, but now what are you going to do? Okay, so here's the first one, all right? And the first one is, is to live in a faith mode. Now, I, I really struggled myself about what to call this first thing because I, you know, want to talk about faith. It started to just say have faith or be a person of faith or all those things. And again, you know, with our language, we use words so many times that we, it loses its, you know, loses its meaning or whatever, right? And so I thought, you know, that, that's just not going to get it. We're not going to get it unless we get live in faith mode, okay? That means you got to have it and stay in it. You know, it's like right now, man, it's, it's, it's going to be really easy to have faith here right now. You know, this sermon I'm preaching to you, I'm hoping by the time we get to the end of it, you're like, yes, 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 I, I need this. And, and, and your faith is all built up. But it's got to go beyond that. You've got you to take it beyond. When we say amen, you know, don't, don't lay your faith down here and come pick it back up next week. You need to take it home with you. That's, you know, out there where you live, where you work, you know, where your kids are going to school. I mean, in our communities. You, man, you need the faith there too. It's you know, not just right here to be built up and yes, I can believe, but then it's gone as soon as they, I mean, you got to live in a mode of faith, okay? Uh, verse, the, the second part of that, that second verse and verse three, back, same story, back to the story, okay? Jesus has come to Capernaum. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Okay. The first, the first thing is about having faith. Here, here's, here's what happened. So these four guys had a friend who was paralyzed. Or maybe there was a paralyzed guy who had four friends. Kind of works both ways, right? 
You know, if you want to have friends, you got to be friendly, right? So it works both ways. Five friends, one of them was paralyzed. And so they are going to take their friend over to Jesus because they want Jesus to heal him. The very first thing they needed was faith. Because without faith, this wasn't going to happen. It wasn't about their strength. Because really, come on, think about it. If it had been about their strength, their ability to do this, two of them could have carried him. I mean, one good fireman throw him over their shoulder and carry him, right? So it wasn't about strength. It was about faith. They believed that Jesus could heal him. To pick up that mat and to walk across town or maybe even put him on an ox cart and carry him across town, just to begin, they had to have faith. They were living in a mode of faith. I mean, we all see needs around us all the time, right? But these guys were living with such a, in such a faith mode that they, they heard Jesus was, was coming, and so they immediately thought, man, Jesus could heal our friend, and so they picked their friend up, and they carried him over to the house where, where Jesus was, living in faith mode. You see, when we live in a faith mode, take me to that next slide so I can read it with you. Living in faith mode is this, is that anything we do must be based on faith that Jesus is, faith that Jesus did, faith that Jesus said, faith that Jesus can, faith that Jesus will. That's what living in faith mode is, is believing those things that Jesus is. He is. Tomorrow he is. Not just on Sunday morning, but tomorrow he is. That Jesus did. He, he already did. His reckless love already did. That he said this. That he told me to do this. And he told me to go here and he gave me this direction. That Jesus can and that Jesus will. That's what living in faith mode is about. It's about believing all those things and constantly that, that, that being the directive, that being the understanding. This is how this works. Just like that. That everything, everything we do, it's surrounded by these thoughts of Jesus. Jesus can and he will and he, and, he, and he wants to and he already has and who he is and those things. Let me see if I can help you here just a little bit with this. I want you to fill in the blank, okay? I want you to fill in the blank up here. God can do anything but. What would you fill that in with? Now, in the first service, a few people yelled out, fail. I thought, yeah, that's good. But other than that, I want you to make this personal. You tell me God can do anything but what in your life? What is the thing that God can't do? What miracle can't he work? What situation can he not fix? What, what, what thing does he not have the answer to? What is, what is it that you would answer right there? There, there is no answer, right? Is there, is there something that God can't do? Is there a need he can't? I, I know, you know, we're Christians, and so we'd say, no, no, God can do anything but... There is no but, is there? But I think every, I believe, I don't just think, I believe, I, I, I almost know this, that every one of us, whether today or sometime in the past, we had something to put in that blank. There was something in our lives that we weren't sure God could do. Maybe God can heal your cancer, and your can't, but I don't know about mine. You know, maybe we wouldn't say it out loud, right? But when we would pray, or when we would try to have faith, it kept crawling back in there, right? To every one of us, we have something that God can fix all those marriages, but he can't fix mine. Man, I see that's one of the big ones today. It seems like people don't believe God can fix their marriages. God can do anything but fix my marriage. So I think every one of us have had something like that. Or some of you, maybe even right now, that there's some doubt, there's some question, there's something keeping you from believing that God can do your thing, what it is you need. 
So I want to help you right here, okay? Here's what I want you to do. Okay, I've preached about that for just a couple minutes there. talked about it a little bit. So what is that thing that you would throw in that blank? Maybe, maybe immediately it came to you. You know the thing that you have the hard time believing. Or maybe you're having to think about it a little bit. But what is it? I, 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 come on, I want you, when you know what it is, I want you to write it down up there. I want your, your eyes to see it, feel the blank up there, okay? You know, if we could take time, we'd just throw everybody's up there one by one. We don't have time for that, so you do it. Just imagine whatever that is that you would say, you know, maybe, and maybe not say it out loud, but in your heart you struggle with believing. You're trying to, but you have a hard time believing. God can do anything but write it in there. You see it? You see it up there? Now that you see it up there, I, I hope every one of you see that thing, that, that place that you struggle with, that place that you have doubt, that place you, that you're just not sure if you can. I hope, I hope you've got it up there. Now that you do, I want you to cross it out. And I want you to cross out the word but to. Just cross out that entire second line. You know, I, and, and listen, you know what I started to do? I started to have them as I was making the slides to, to actually make, make that last line disappear, you know, so you could see what that said up there. See those top words? God can do anything. You know, whatever it is that you say, I struggle with believing, what you need to do is cross out that last line right there and just hang on those first four words. God can do anything. And you know why? I thought, no, you know what's good about leaving that up there, that but whatever, is because, you know, I know what's going to happen. Do you know what's going to happen? You're going to leave here today. You're going to be out on your own tomorrow, and that but's coming back. We can take it off the screen right now, but it's coming back. You know it. That doubt's creeping back in. As soon as you get out by yourself and you're trying to pray all for yourself and nobody is there, pastor's not there preaching you an encouraging word, the worship team's not singing you something to make you believe in that reckless, powerful love of God that your friends aren't with, the prayer team's not right there, that bud is coming back. You know it, don't you? That, doubt, and here's, that doubt's coming back. Here's what you need to do. All of us, we need, to, we need to get accustomed to this. We need to get accustomed to crossing that out. And, and when it shows up, not looking at that anymore, but focusing on those first four words every day that God can do anything. Amen? Yes, that's living in faith mode. It's saying God can do anything. Mark remembered this in Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Everything is possible with God. You know what he remembered about that? He remembered that Jesus said it. So I'm not telling you today, you didn't make it up that God can do anything. Jesus Christ himself said it. Everything is possible with God. Living in faith mode means believing that Jesus said that and that he can fulfill it every single day. Okay? So that's the first thing. I told you there's two things. You got to do something with that. You got to live in faith mode. And then you got to act. You have to do something, okay? There is something for you to do, to accomplish, okay? So back to our story. Verse 4, these four guys carrying their paralyzed friend couldn't bring him to Jesus. Well, we know why, right? Because we just read it. The house was so full, even outside, they couldn't even get to the front door. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head, then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. I love, I'm a very visual person. I, I'm reading this, I am seeing it, okay? When, when, when you get to tell the story up here, you can say it how you want to say it. This is the way I see it. Jesus is sitting there in the middle of all these people, and he's teaching and preaching. 
the roof opens up and I believe they have figured out exactly where Jesus is sitting so when they lay him down they lay him down right here in the lap of Jesus that there is nothing Jesus he, Jesus can't ignore it now I mean he's gonna have to just just speak over he can't ignore him now they've laid him right in the lap of Jesus there he is right there they, they've done, you know here, here's the thing a lot of us do they got to the front door actually couldn't get to the front door but they got to the crowd and it had been really easy to say, well, we've done all we can do. Perhaps Jesus will walk out here in a few minutes, he'll heal him. But no. This is when they chose to be reckless. You see, it's really easy for us to say, I've done all I can do. Man, I've heard people say that about their marriages. Done all I can do? No, I bet there is something else you can do. Uh, uh, and people say that about their kids. I mean, we, we pastored a guy one time, he came to me, he he was really concerned about his two sons and wanted them to, wanted them to turn their lives over to God. And, and I, sh I need to mention to you, I need to tell you that they were teenagers. These aren't grown kids, okay? These aren't adults. These were teenagers. And he came to me. He was so exasperated. He was exasperated with God, but he was taking it out on me a little bit too. I, you know, I, didn't, I don't have strength, you know, power to save his sons. But, you know, it's kind of like we were all in this thing, you know? And, it's like, and he said, for two years, I've done everything I know to do. He said, I've swept every time something needed sweeping. I've set up tables every time some tables need to be set up. I stack chairs every time chairs need to be stacked. And still God hadn't saved my two boys. I got to remind him. Now, now think about it. He's doing a few things. But he's thinking he's done all he can do. But he's the dad and their teenage sons. He's the dad and their teenage sons still living in his house. There's probably more that he could do that's what I'm saying a lot of times we say well that's all I could do not these guys this was when they decided to be reckless L let me let me show it to you right here Jesus one time had a blind man come to him and want to be healed I would imagine all blind men want to be healed right this one came to Jesus want to be healed Jesus made some mud and put on his eyes and told him to go wash and when he washed you know what happened his sight was restored Jesus could have just said be healed he didn't even have to touch the guy he could have just spoke it he could just spoke, and it would have happened. But he made some mud, stuck it on the guy. He could have then wiped the mud off the guy's eyes, but he didn't. He said, you go wash. Now, first, he had to find his way down to Sloan, the pool. You know, he had to find his way down there. So that, you know, that was a little bit. You know, he's a blind guy having to walk through town, got to find his way. And so he gets down there and washes, and then he's, uh, he told him to do something. There was something for him to do, for him to act. He had to act. He had to do something. Or, or one, one time, one day, Jesus uh, asked Simon Peter, he said, you caught any fish? They were out fishing. He and some of the disciples, you've been fishing? Have you caught anything? And he said, nope, nope, toiled all night. We hadn't caught anything. And Jesus said, well, throw your, your nets on the other side of the boat. And, and Simon Peter, he says, well, we've told all night long. Now, he doesn't say it out loud, but I'm just kind of wondering, the, the kind of person Simon Peter was and the kind of person most of us are, I can imagine that between the lines that he was saying, well, we've told all night long, Master. I can imagine he was also thinking, now, we're fishermen. Your dad was a carpenter. You may know everything there is to know about building cabinets, but we know fishing. And we've told all night long, and we ain't caught a single fish. And it would have been real easy for him to say, so we're not doing that. I'm not throwing these nets out and having to haul them in one more time. But he didn't. 
Jesus told him to throw his nets on the other side, and he did throw them on the other side. He said, we've toiled all night long, we're tired, we're worn out, but since you say so, we're going to do it. They throw the nets in, and you know what happens? They catch so many fish, the boat can't hold the haul of fish because they did something. Or, or, or when Jesus told a dead man's friend, he said, open this tomb back up. Open his tomb back up. Now, we, we tell this story sometimes, and we don't, we, we don't really think about all the stuff going on in there, about all this. Ima imagine this afternoon. You know, we, we know people that are dead, right? Y'all know people that are buried? Imagine, imagine God speaks right now to about four of us and says, hey, go over to the cemetery and dig him up. Come on, that's, that's what we're talking about here. Jesus said, open his tomb. Roll the stone away and open his tomb back up. His, his, the man's sister even said, well, Lord, he's been dead for four days, so surely he's already stinking now. Can you imagine what, having a sister talking about you like that, right? Four days after you did, he's stinking now, but Jesus said, open his tomb back up. And when they open the tomb, when they roll the stone away, Jesus calls the man, and the man comes out back to life. Why? Because they did something. Okay, now all this is tied together. It's not just their doing. Remember, it started with the hearing and the faith. Now this, and James says, have you ever heard this, this one? James says, faith without works is, oh, y'all know that one, right? Yep, that's the right answer. There it is right there. Faith without works is dead. And here's what James, here's what James is doing. And listen, here's, here's why this is important. I, I want to point out to you that it's James, okay? It's because James, one, is a disciple. He was one of Christ's disciples. But two, he was one of Jesus' brothers. He was raised with Jesus, and one of his younger brothers, okay? And so he knew Jesus. I mean, he knew all the stuff about Jesus. He didn't just know those three years of his teaching that the rest of the disciples had. He knew Jesus, okay? So that's why this is important to me, you know, this, this book of James. And here's what, what he's doing right here is he's talking about this. He says, some of you, you're all about your faith, and some of you, you're all about your works. But he's saying it all goes together because faith without works is just dead, you got to have both of them or, or, or nothing happens. Okay, so, so let's go on. Back to our, back to our story about the four. Uh, uh, yes, uh, Mark 2, verse 5. And so now it says, Jesus, seeing their faith, stop right there, he saw their faith. What does that mean? He saw their faith. Okay, they picked, up the, they picked up the mat of this paralyzed guy. They got him across town. They couldn't get anywhere around. They couldn't get anywhere close to him. They will go up on the roof. They tear the roof open. They drop him down there. And now it says Jesus is seeing their faith. Seeing their, this is where it begins. Seeing their, they, he saw their faith. The miracle hadn't even started yet until Jesus sees their faith. Now the next few verses, uh, there's, there's several things going on. We're going to skip that and jump, jump to the miracle here in just a second. And, and G, but Jesus actually has to deal with some religious people and some things right there. But this is where the miracle begins. His sins are forgiven. He's about to be healed. And this is where it begins, when he saw their faith. Now, Jesus knew they had faith. If Jesus, as the Son of God, knowing all these things he knows, he knew they were coming across town. He knew they were outside trying to get in. How can we get, and it can't get in. He knew all of this. But it didn't say when Jesus knew about their faith. Didn't, Jesus, didn't say when Jesus sensed their faith, but when Jesus saw their faith. How did he see their faith? Because they did something with their faith. They didn't just hear and have a, live in a faith mode, as powerful as those things are. They did something with their faith. 
And when they did, the miracle happened. Verse 10, I believe, is where we're going to go to. Yeah. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Again, here, Jesus is telling him to do something. He didn't say, oh, you're healed. Stand up. He said, stand up. You know, think about it. you got to have, the first thing you would think is, well, I can't stand up. Jesus didn't say you're healed, stand up. He said, stand up. And so you're thinking, you ever thought about standing up? Well, you probably don't have to. Well, just, I guess, a little open confession here. The last three weeks, I've had a little problem with sciatic nerve kind of issue. Let me tell you something. For the last three weeks, every time I stood up, I've thought about standing up. It's not been an involuntary response, just standing up. You know, every time, you know, and the same way with this guy. He's never stood up. I don't know if he was a, a lifelong paralytic or not, but he hadn't stood up ever since this happened to him. And so when Jesus said, stand up, he was telling him to do something that he didn't know he could do. But it says that he, that he said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. Love that language there. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Imagine again. Come on, be visual with me. The guy jumps up. And this is, this is from their town. They know this guy. They watch this guy. He jumps up and grabs his mat and takes off. You know, and I kind of thought also, you know, is that they couldn't get in the door, but man, he found a way to get out, didn't he? You know, once he got healed, he picked it up and he took off and around. And they were so excited. They said, we've never seen any. Wouldn't you love to see something like that happen? Wouldn't you love to see that happen? It, you know, and that, that doesn't just have to happen where, where, where the church is all gathered together. That can happen in any place in our life where we're living in faith mode and we're doing things that we're supposed to be doing. That They saw this amazing thing and they said, we've never seen anything like this before. And they never would have if someone hadn't been reckless. The miracle would not have happened if someone had not been reckless. But because these four guys were reckless. Okay, so, so who is reckless? Is that my next slide? Yeah. Yes. Kept trying to jump to that earlier in, in the first service. So who was reckless? The four guys. They got to the, they picked him up, carried him across town, get there, they can't get in, and they go up on the roof, and they tear the roof open. Who was reckless? Who was reckless? Let me ask you a question. Who repaired the roof? You ever think about that? I have. This is one of those. I, I, when I get to heaven, that's, some, that's one of those hundreds of questions that I'm going to ask. Who fixed the roof? Because you didn't tell us in the story about the roof. Now, I know. Here's the spiritual way to look at it, you know, because we, we get all spiritual at times. You know, here's a real spiritual way to look at it. It's like, oh, I just believe that the people that owned that house, they were just so uh, wonderfully amazed and, and pleased with it that that miracle took place in their house. They probably fixed the roof themselves, didn't say anything. That's not the people I, I've normally lived beside. That, it had to be considered, okay? Imagine when they get up on the roof, the four of them start tearing the roof. Some, one of these guys is thinking, oh, man, we might get in trouble for this. I hope they did, okay? Because, you know, they had laws back then, too. They couldn't just tear the roof off and walk home. Somebody had to fix the roof. Maybe somebody said, well, hey, we'll come back tomorrow and fix this roof if we had. Or we'll come back tomorrow and pay to fix this roof if we had. It had to be considered. Okay, so here's one of the reasons I want to tell you. I got, kind of got two reasons. One of them is personal. Okay, first reason is this. Don't you go out of here and tear somebody's roof, metaphorically speaking, and then tell them that your pastor told you to do that and it's all right for you to leave it that way. Okay? Don't go out there and make some mess, you know, in the name of God and your pastor at your church say that's what pastor preached on. 
Now, but here's the real reason I'm telling you this is because you need to count the, con count the consequences, count the cost, because there will be cost or it ain't reckless. If it don't cost you anything, you weren't reckless. If you do something and I have to come fix it, it wasn't reckless. If you do something and God fixes it, it wasn't reckless. It was reckless when they tore open somebody's roof without permission. Ooh, that don't sound like a good thing. That don't, that don't sound like a, a wise thing to do. No, no, again, let me tweak that definition of reckless just a little bit here and change it in this way. Those who weigh the cost against the consequences or rewards and choose to press forward. Recklessness is knowing what the cost is and comparing it to the consequences and saying, I know it's going to cost this for me to do this, but if I don't do it, this is what's going to happen. Then it's worth me paying the consequences. It's worth me paying the price. It, or, or, or it's, maybe it's not consequences, maybe it's rewards. That it's, it's someone who looks and says, I know this is what this is going to cost me to do this. I know, I know the pain that I'm going to have to go through or the struggle I'm going to have to go through to, to get this done, but this is the reward that is going to happen if I do this. So this reward is worth those consequences. It's not being ignorant. It's not being stupid. It's being mature. It's, it's being spiritually mature and saying, I know this is what this is going to cost. Listen, you think back just a few decades ago, in the 1960s, there were a lot of people that looked at things and said, this is wrong, and I may have to go to jail to point out to all of society that this is wrong, but there were a lot of people who said, it's worth sitting in a jail cell for a few nights to see civil rights come to everybody. That's what positive recklessness is. It's counting the cost and saying, I know it's going to cost this, and these will be the consequences, but I'm willing to do it anyway. It's a mom who day after day doesn't eat so that her kids can eat. Is that reckless? Yeah, it's reckless. She's risking her own life. She's risking her own health so that her kids can have something to eat. It's a dad who works two jobs, maybe three jobs, so that his family can be provided for, risking his own health. Is that reckless? Yeah, that's reckless. But he's doing it because his family needs to be provided for. Or, or it's, a, it's a soldier, airman, marine, sailor, policeman, fireman who runs toward danger while everybody else is running away. Is that reckless? Absolutely. And thank God for every one of them who have ever run toward danger for me. And I'm not just talking about those guys and ladies. I'm talking about spiritually. I've had a lot of those. The very first one was Jesus, right? He was the first one that ran to danger for me when I needed to be fleeing. But since then, I've had so many others that have followed in his footsteps that have been reckless for me. Thank God for every one of them. Spiritual pa uh, dads, uh, pastors, mentors, and just good friends who've run to danger for me. Thank God for them. And you know what? You're that reckless person for somebody else that somebody else needs that they need out of danger and you're that person that can run into danger for them to help them get out and taking our cue from Jesus as a Christian Christian of Christ follower that's our command that's our directive to reach those that need to be reached even when it's reckless by everybody else's determination. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. 
If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.